0: Oh, Sunday afternoon, I'm having a little lie down, and I thought I'd just, I'd just attend to you, podcast listeners, with our funny-looking episode six bonus podcast, and those of you who have listened before may know that we put out our podcast, and our podcast is full of things we find funny, thing live comedy, comedy we've watched on TV, things we've downloaded, things we've read, things that we, Pete and I, find funny and we go and chat to people, giants of the comedy world, not always people you've heard of but to us, heroes one and all, people out there doing it, people out there standing up in front of a mic or making and creating uh, comedy to buy or just putting it out there on YouTube and we have a lovely chat and so far, everyone has been absolutely smashing. And we think it's important that their full voice gets heard. So who are we to edit other than our ums and ours? This is a double up. This is both of our guests of the last podcast. Um, first of all, we're going to listen to Chris Evans. Uh, and then we're going to listen to Kate Tracy. Kate Tracy is a stand-up who has uh, been working around the circuit for just a couple of years now Um, and it's a really interesting journey that she talks about first of all as i say we're going to talk to chris evans chris evans um he runs dot com, and if you are listening to this podcast i guarantee there'll be something that they have produced that you will like and i really really recommend you go and you have a look and you see the DVDs they're making, the downloads they have, and buy something, even if it's just, even if it's just the song that he mentions in this interview, the uh, Tony Law song, is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But um, as you listen to uh, Chris Evans, it's just worth remembering this is a guy who had an idea, and he contacted the comedian he was interested in, Stuart Lee. And, and and it works. And, and genuinely, we're very grateful for the stuff that he puts out. So here's the first half of the chat with the very lovely Chris Evans. So we are very lucky this month to be connected uh, from Liverpool straight down to Cardiff, I'm guessing. And that's only through cyber stalking and looking on Wikipedia. Uh, to be sat uh, chatting with uh, Chris Evans. Now, somebody else's line is not that one. So I won't use that. But uh, hello, Chris.
1: Hello. It is Cardiff. I am here.
0: Ah, There you go. Um, So, Chris, Go Faster Stripe. We love Go Faster Stripe. And we think anyone who listens to our podcast should go straight to Go Faster Stripe. Could you tell us what that
1: is? Well, it's very lovely to hear. Uh, I I say we or I, I, uh, me and a couple of mates have started a little company which uh, make and sell comedy DVDs.
0: And we've bought a few of them. I've got
1: to add that straight away. Good for you. So,
0: just so we're straight in with... It's good uh, advice there. Thank you. We're more than more than just uh, kind of like hang on the coattails. We're actually purchasers. Um, Go Faster Strike has got... got. We'll, we'll come to who you, you release and who you work with. And... Um, Tell us a little bit about the history of Go Stripe and how it, how it started off, because did you start as a clothing, and again, this is all cursory research, started with clothing?
1: Oh, well, that, that is on Wikipedia. I did uh, have an attempt at starting a company to make baby gross. It didn't, doesn't mean it's true. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it's kind of true, it, but it didn't. It, I, and I'm a computer programmer. So I okay. wrote, uh, uh, me and a friend, I had a baby. I had a baby called Ben. and He's, well, a, he's 11 now. Uh, ah. But when he was born, we found that we couldn't get baby grows that were any good. And me and my pal from college, uh, she she made some baby grows. She drew on the back of these baby grows, and they were funny little slogans. And I thought, ah, that'd be good. Loads of people would like. No one wanted these, but I thought loads of people would want these. So we got some printed up properly and got some baby grows made. And I wrote uh, uh, like a website um, which would sell them and had a shopping cart in and what have you. And we sold next to none. We sold maybe fifty over the course of the the two years that we were trying to do it before giving up.
0: I'm not um, laughing. I'm not la- I'm just I'm, that's what happened.
1: I'm, they're collector's I'm, items now. But they're bound to be. <laughs> uh, so I keep I've got piles of them left and I keep them in the in the attic. And uh, when anyone I know has a baby, I send a pile out. To them. <laughs> uh, and well, they didn't do very well. But you know, you've got to get a try, haven't you? Uh, so the point of this is that we had a system, we had a website that um, that had a kind of back end on it that was connected to PayPal that would that you could buy things from, and it would you know messages would come through to me when something got sold. Uh, so that was that was the start of it. That was that was the baby grow aspect of it, the children's clothing company from Wikipedia. So That's true, I suppose.
0: And but then uh, I've, I've been through your merchandise, and there is no available currently baby grow, but there may no. be uh, still a market there. But uh, you've got. Uh, it's comedy. Comedy is your thing. Yes. So how do you sh- how do you shift how did you shift from you've got this website set up, you've got ten tons of baby growth still, but yes, but that's not what you put out. Now.
1: Well, no, because that died a death, and that was that was kind of dead. Uh, and then uh, I, f- I can't remember how I found out that Stuart Lee ha- couldn't release his show, but I'd read it somewhere. I read it on his website probably, and. um was thought, I've got some friends, incidentally as well, that, uh, that that know how to operate cameras. They work for, one guy works for the BBC in Wales and the other guy works in London. That's Neil and Craig, uh, lovely chums of mine. And I was chatting to them and I said, what about, you know, we could probably do this. So I was working in an art centre at the time doing their computers, chapter art centre, and they had a theatre. I said, you know, we could probably do this, couldn't we? We could probably, if Stuart came down and we, we could we could set up the theatre nicely and we could film and what do you think? And they were all a little bit drunk and they said, yeah, go on then, let's ask him. I said, I, I bloody will. So I wrote this <laughs> email to Stu and I said, you know, these are the facts as they stand in that we got new, you know, I've got, got a couple of mates and I've got, you know, this theatre where I can get hold of and... Uh, and i'd seen his show i'd seen the 90s comedian show and i thought it was amazing and i was really sad that it wasn't going to come out and uh perhaps we could sort it out for him and uh about a month went past and i just thought nothing more of it and then uh stew wrote back with another long email saying great let's let's do this and i can't yeah. couldn't quite believe it was happening uh the worst case scenario i remember putting in the email was that uh i get to see the show another two times you know if we mess up and, and it's awful we haven't lost anything yeah, uh, except for I get to see the show another two times, which is really what I was angling for, and I get to meet Stu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that, that was nineties comedian. That was nineties comedian. The first time we did, and uh, and it came out really well. I mean, the show's amazing. The show's was excellent. Um, we uh, we edited it together and we showed Stu like a rough cut, and he he said he was gobsmacked that it had come out so well. And then he said, "Well, we should we should probably do something with this." So at, the, at that time, we were not even we were not anything. We were just a couple of mates arsing about. Uh, but Sue said he was interested, uh, it, it, Sue said he was happy that we should uh, we could release the, the show, so we, we formed this, this company and worked out how to do everything, and and released it, and it, pro- well, it probably took, I don't know, probably eight or nine months, I suppose, from recording it to releasing it, which actually doesn't seem that long, does it?
0: No, no, but, so you had this kernel of an idea, you come together, you got the, this company, uh, then, so where did you go next? Uh,
1: well... We were having a pint with Stu, so we stayed, Stu came down to, well Stu was in London, I went down to London and we went to stay with uh, Craig, who's was one of the cameramen, his girlfriend was editing it, so uh, we all sat around um, drinking and watching the show, and Stu was making comments, so we were, you know, we were writing down what what changes he wanted, and when we finished that, we went to the pub, and Stu said, you know what, you should, you should get in touch with Richard Herring. I said, gosh, I'd love to, I don't know, you know. He's really easy to get hold of, as it turns out, but I didn't know. Yes, him. he's
0: very, it yeah, he seems to be.
1: Uh, and Stu said, well, just get his address from the internet, which is, uh, so that's what I did the next day, and I said what we were doing, and I sent uh, Rich the rough cut, and he went, oh, that'd be brilliant. So uh, from doing, stu- I, don't, I don't think Stu's had even come out by the time we were recording Rich, it might have just come out.
0: Hang on a minute, are you suggesting at some point at the start company, Stuart Lee didn't even have Richard Herring's. Such was the break
1: of these, this this <laughs> legendary pairing. <laughs> I think I think it's it's nice to do uh, now that I've got kids. It's nice to not tell them everything, but just kind of yeah. point them in the right direction. <laughs> and and yeah, you can you can get hold. Of, I'll, I'll tell any of you any of you can get hold of Richard Herring very easily just by looking at his website and going on his email address there.
0: Just <laughs> quick, actually, you can do the same with Ken Dodd here in Liverpool. I need to pop a, an invite onto uh, to the podcast. There is door actually.
1: I did so, not know that. Yeah, that's interesting. The,
0: Apparently, it's his family home, but oh. does, it's a bit of an odd thing to do, so I, w- I probably won't do that. I might post it. I'd say post uh, it, that's interesting to yeah. me.
1: But he does massive shows, isn't he? I don't know if we can get three hours onto a DVD, could we? he
0: does massive shows. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, actually, we're going to skip forward here because I'm holding um, uh, Fist of Fun series one. Ah. saying that you've got there's four discs here. No. I I'm not even sure I've got enough life in me to do it. <laughs> I respect so, that. So, you've got you go from uh, 90s comedian right to this is not the, the, the most up to date, perhaps we'll talk about those. Um, I've got to say that, that it's a full old thing, fist of fun. And um, if you haven't picked if you're not sure of what fist of fun is, then you're obviously not in our demographic, yeah. Because as a 40 something, this was this was a, like a legendary show, legendary lost, lost show, absolutely. Um so let's move through. So Richard Herring, you've got quite a lot of Richard stuff. I say that like I know him. Obviously, you know, everyone feels he knows him through his
1: podcast. class. He's the same as that. That is what he is. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: how? Uh, what kind of impact did uh, sponsoring his uh, Edinburgh oh. Festival <laughs> <laughs> podcast have? Oh,
1: uh, minimal, I would say. Well, it, it, in what sense? Would it, would it be the... Um, spike in sales or the spike in giveaways there, there was there was there was uh, i mean maybe there was you can't really tell with these things i am being polite there was no spike in sales there was nothing it was uh we did sell a couple of collings and herrings podcasts over the course yeah. of that month which haven't we haven't sold any of those for ages astounding um, astounding. but it was kudos you can't you can't you can't rate that can you it was delightful yeah. listening to the podcast and hearing rich say nice things about the uh the in fact he said a couple of really nice things about us which were lovely. every single day yeah
0: uh, yeah, what we're planning to do is once our podcast goes out, is to get a couple of friends to buy a couple of things, and therefore demographically, our spike hopefully will be, have <laughs> a much bigger impact okay. than uh, than thirty days. Well, if you can
1: get three things sold, then that would be it. That would be, be through the roof. But that's done. Off the well, scale. Actually,
0: I can see four or five things I've bought already, but we won't count those. Um, if you, if you go to your website, gofastershrike dot com, yes. and most of the people you you work with are people that. I personally really rate, and Pete personally really rates them. Oh, good. Uh, Simon Munnery, I first saw as a student involved in Emps and bringing in the Avalon tour, and so I've, I've been okay. a big fan of, and, and that's a fantastic DVD of uh, uh, Simon
1: Munnery. That I can really... Uh, can I ask you, you, can I ask well, you before you ask that, have you found all the hidden features on it? No. We went nuts no. on that one. That's got the most hidden features yeah, of no. everything. Well, I've
0: actually ended up buying two copies of that. <laughs>
1: You don't, need bought- t- you don't need two. No, I no, I
0: bought one for myself and then I, I saw uh, Simon Munnery's show last year at Soho and I
1: thought, I've got to have one. I've got to have it signed. Oh. Um, so, no, I haven't. Um- well, let me tell you, in each, when you're on the menu, yeah. press left. And, right. and each menu has got kind of an opposite hidden feature. Each, each item on the menu has got an opposite hidden feature if you press left. But that is, an, that's, that's brilliant to know. And it's about that an is. hour and a half of extras, of, of hidden extras on there. It's ridiculous.
0: Well, I love the God and Jesus. Ah, good. I, I love that. That was, again, a legendary lost uh, yeah. something or other. But that's, because that's one of the, the markers of your your work, it seems. It's just packed with everything. Is that what you do? You just put everything on that you get hold of?
1: Uh, pretty much everything I can fit on. When Simon's one came out, we didn't know about doing double discs. So there was a bit more I could have uh, put on Simon's one, I have to say which i'm saving for the next one uh but fist of fun was well fist of fun was different because it was important when i was watching the the rushes i thought these are amazing and what a privileged position i'm in to be able to watch these and choose what gets on and i thought well, that's not fair is it because i'm doing this i'm thinking that i'm someone do you know when i was in college they said to write essays imagining you're writing for the point of view of the person a year behind you so you pretty much know the stuff you can use the right language but but you don't know exactly what you know now a year in the future. So pretty much when I'm doing a DVD, I'm doing it for myself a year before I started doing Go Faster Stripe, the sort of stuff I'd like to see. So I thought, well, if I love watching the extras, the, the, sorry, the, the uh, studio tapes so much, why don't I just go nuts and put the whole lot on and see what happens? So that's, that's, that's why it's so packed, because the BBC gave us everything they had. And I thought, well, I should put that on so everyone else can see it. Because the BBC weren't interested in putting... Yeah. Fun well, the BBC did some research, and they they, they uh, realized that it had no commercial value. Uh, the Fist of Fun series, um, which I don't know if it would have done if it came out like in a normal kind of bland disc. I mean, I know we would have bought it, wouldn't we? I would have bought it, and you'd have bought it. I would have bought it. Yeah, yeah I, it probably yeah. would have sold a similar amount.
0: Uh, and, and Richard heron has always said that that he got the impression that there was a market for it because everybody was. The, well, his fans and Stuart Lee's fans were asking for it.
1: Absolutely. Well, it, and it's sold fine. It told you know, it's covered. It's it's covered its costs, and it, and in fact, it made a bit of profit until I had this, the, the bill for clearance came through the other day. Bill <laughs> uh, for what? Sorry. It, the clearance issues for so that uh, sa- nice. um, audio and video that was used on it that that finally right. came through about three weeks ago. Um, right. So that wiped out all the profit, but it was series one and series two bill in one. So. This next series should be the one that turns the profit. That's all so from, we're putting all our hopes on. So from now on, it's
0: all just gravy.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the ethos? Because you've, you've touched on it a bit. That you said that that you, you're putting out the stuff that you want to see, that you exactly. want to enjoy. Yeah. Is that is that what Go Faster Stripe is about?
1: That is that is the beginning and the end of it. It's just it's just as you, I've said before, I'm like the luckiest fanboy that there is. Yeah. So anyone that I like, I'll I can send them an email and say, you know what would you like to make a dvd with me and it's like it's like having your best friend round to stay because i think with comedy when you, when you see when you like a comedian and, and, and you, you kind of get into the way that they're talking and get into the way that they're speaking and when their jokes touch your soul you've got to kind of yeah. see eye to eye with them you've got it with their yeah. views and so um when you meet them they're absolutely spot on i mean every every comedian i've been lucky enough to meet has always been like a really lovely fella and and lots of good and, and really good fun
0: and we've found that in in this small journey of just interviewing comedians, people have been just been very friendly and very open and very warm and but that 's what come ac- comes came across from your website. I was looking at um, someone who i who I saw a long long time ago John Hegley. hegler oh yeah and there was a little touch in there that this was someone who was a hero of yours <laughs> absolutely
1: and... no question he's friends i 'm friends with him now. Can you imagine
0: oh <laughs> what a lovely thing to say that's a lovely thing right okay, but i 'm assuming. That, that, that there is the ethos is the grounding. It sounds like a business plan, in, oh, <laughs> brilliant, well. but it's not. Yeah, but it you, could... th- there is a development, there isn't there? Because um, the last thing that we bought from you was um, one of your downloads. Uh, downloads. Oh, okay. Tony, t- Tony Law. No. is um, uh, oh, right. it? It's, so bit it's out. go, Mister um, um, Tony. Go,
1: isn't it? Because that's the only one I, I I've think got so.
0: On. I haven't watched it yet. Oh. We're going to watch it for the, we're going to watch it for this podcast. Oh. I saw. I saw I, the privilege of getting a really good seat for the penultimate show of his latest piece in the, uh, Edinburgh this year, and it just—it uh, just—it was joyous. It was, mm. be- it was a beautiful show. So immediately, right, okay, let's go to our old pals, go past the stripe. There's a couple of things there. We'll have that. And we'll do an article before the, this show goes on tour. But is that? Um, I, 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 have you seen his latest piece? Or yeah, I work? saw it
1: just two or three days ago. It was in um, chapter. And will you be will you be filming that? I hope so. We're, we're, and... uh, uh some of the guys that I work with, Gerald, who does our sound and lighting, he came to see it with me, and it we was just at the end of it. Was we oh, this is amazing. This is probably the best one he's ever done. Isn't it the
0: best? It's the best end of a comedy hour. Yeah.
1: It's...
0: I've, uh, without kind of giving anything away, that way, I, I, I think I just tripped out of that um, without that show.
1: Beautiful. Well, can so... I tell you? Hang on, then. Cool. The, 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 the very end of that show, there's you know the song that they sing. Yeah. Uh, that's on iTunes. Ah, it's a very, very catchy song, and I haven't been able to stop singing it since I saw the show. But uh, it just is in case. Bu-
0: it is a beautiful song, All right? I'm, I'm having that as soon as we finish it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just going to my list there, so I'm, getting, I'm, not, okay. I'm I'm not Richard Herring. I can cut these bits out so I don't look like I'm completely unpre- unprepared. Leave them in.
1: I'd leave them in. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, I just it's just all wittering. Um Is this is this what you do
1: now? Is this your main job? Yeah. Or... This is it. What fantastic! Is it good? It was. I, I was seeing. Um, where was I? I was in. I, I don't know if you go, you go to the Edinburgh Festival. You just said so. You know that. You yeah. know the place with the big upside down cow. The other belly. Bristow Square. That is. Yeah. Isn't it? So I was there having a pint on my own, waiting for whatever the next show was. And Richard Herring walked past and went, "Hey!" And it was early days. It was. It must have been the first time that we'd worked with him. So maybe they had one or maybe two things out by then. Uh, and I said, so wouldn't it be amazing if I, this could be my job? This Because it was still, uh, I was in Edinburgh uh, um, and I paid for the trip using all the money that GoFast had. Because so I thought, well, it's kind of an investment going and seeing all the all the new acts. But of course, I, I went most years anyway and I loved the place. But saying, oh, imagine if this could be my actual proper job. And, and it is now. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm the luckiest man in the world. How exciting.
0: So who who would you really like to work with? Who out of the, you know, the international comedy pantheon, who would you like to uh, oh. get in there and film with? Uh,
1: Daniel Kitson, of course.
0: Ah, oh, uh, of course.
1: Dimitri Martin's amazing. Oh, yeah. It'd be good to do something with Ken Dodd.
0: Ken Dodd, you know, maybe, maybe. We'd do a two-pronged attack. That would
1: be, uh, he'd be good to get down the chapter there and film him. Uh who else do I like? I mean, I've, I've, as, I, I'm very lucky that most of the people I like, I, I have already done something with.
0: Well, a fella, and, and there'll be a second part of that um, coming up. Funnylooking.co.uk, at funnylookingpod on Twitter, and you can Gmail us, if you can. Gmail us right up there. Funny looking pod at gmail.com and we really like hearing from you we especially love you if you leave us a, a review um, uh, but we really would like to hear from you uh, we get some little messages now and again from people we haven't met it's very nice getting that it's, it's uh, good that, that uh, we know that, that, that people are listening and we know because they tell us um, we would like to get involved with you in particular are there people we should see uh, we're based in the Northwest, but we do get about a bit. Are there people we should follow? People, blogs we should read? Um, we've got an idea re- regarding a blog. So, have you ever wanted to write? Have you wanted to interview someone? Do you want to get involved? Because we would like to uh, grow this podcast. We said we'd do six, we've done six, and then we see where we go with it, where we're going with it. And next podcast has got two fantastic guests uh, coming up. Uh, Simon Munnery, a comedy hero of mine for a long, long time. And Hayley Ellis, uh, another person who's been working so hard um, and is a fantastic, relatively new starter in comedy. And she, she's given us an interview as well. And that's in the next podcast. But back to this a bonus podcast, um, Kate Tracy. And she's also based in Liverpool, uh, like I am. And um, as you'll hear straight away, a bit of a late starter, perhaps. But so creative. I think any, if anybody wants to just... Have an insight on what it's like at just having a go, just getting out there, just putting pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, um, and you see that she is a playwright as well as a stand up and, and one of the, one of the, the, the just the finest compares that uh, we've enjoyed I have certainly enjoyed uh, in a comedy night. So this is the first half of the chat um, with Kate Tracy. Who are you? Where Um, am I? What am I doing?
2: My name is Katie Tracy. I am um, a 21-year-old comedian. I'm not 21, I'm 38. I am in the boardroom of the office where I work with Gav, because um, I couldn't think of any trendy, hip places to do a (laughs) podcast in Liverpool. (laughs) Because I go to Sayers mainly at lunchtime. (laughs) I don't know where the cool kids go.
0: Who does anymore? He's, actually, you've he's stolen one of my lines because I was going to say, uh, Katie, you're in your early 20s. You've been comedy for a couple of years now.
2: Yeah, I know. I know, I know. A um, couple of years, yeah. Both. I started May 2010 and my first ever gig was the Funny Women Awards, Liverpool Heat. A friend of mine sort of persuaded me to do it. Um, cause I'd always said I wanted to try stand-up comedy but never had the balls, really. I just How I long have you said that? Oh, well, Years, probably about... Since I did drama in school and college, I used to say, oh, I wish I could try to stand up. But I didn't even, I didn't even know about open mic mates. I didn't know that they existed. I didn't know people let you turn up and try and tell jokes. And even if I'd known that that was there, I would never have gone. Because I would have thought, I'm going to turn up and someone's going, why is this woman who looks as old as me mum? <laughs> so, you are know, having a midlife cry, why isn't she at home watching Midsummer?' <laughs> so I never really bothered. And then my friend Crystal persuaded me to enter this competition. And I was off work because my son had broke his leg and he couldn't go to the toilet or anything. I had to help him go. Yeah, and God bless him, he was a teenager at the time. So it was really awkward because by the first couple of weeks when he broke his leg, he was really like, oh, don't look at me and I've got to have a wee and go out the room. And then after two weeks, he was just completely uninhibited. But uh, I didn't want to leave him in case he needed me. And he was going, oh, no, Mum, go, go, go. And so I remember writing my set while Countdown was on. <laughs> and when it turned off there's all these girls there and they were all lovely and I was like, hey, yeah, you all right? Have you all never done this before either? And they were like, oh yeah, I did the comedy store three weeks ago and I <laughs> smashed it and yeah. all this and I was like, oh shit, what have you done, Kate? And then, um this this woman was headlining, it, she was comparing Janie Godley. Ah, oh,
0: yes, Janie Godley. And, yes. She, and she was there, yeah, yeah.
2: Clean. So Lynn said, right, okay, you've never done it before, everyone else, you can either go on first or last. Went, so I'll go on last because I was thinking if everyone's good I'm getting off because <laughs> I'd never done it so we were all sat there and Janie saw sort of like give us a pep talk before she started um, in her own special way it was literally um, who's never done comedy before and I went I haven't and she went well I've got one piece of advice for you and I went okay what's that and I was really like looking forward to it in this gem, and she went if nobody laughs just fuck off the stage I was like Right, okay <laughs> that's really uh, supportive and encouraging advice I'll, I'll take that on board and I was just sat there going oh what have I done and then I did it and I hate saying this because it makes me sound like a bit of a dick really but it wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be when I got on stage I started doing it enjoyed I just, it I loved it but I was also thinking my main problem is my memory I could, I could write at 25 minutes set get on stage, do five, and just make stuff for the rest of the 20, because I can't remember what I'm supposed to say. But on this um, particular night, we only have to do, like, five minutes each. Um, and it went okay, but they didn't tell you whether you got to the finals or anything like that until afterwards. Um, and I, I didn't get to, the, like, the semi-final or anything, but I thought, well, it was my first gig, so you can't expect too much. And then after that, that's when I became aware of, like, um, Beat the Frog and warhide in Liverpool and that's quite bold
0: to enter a comedy competition as your first gig <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know but then I thought well this is probably my one chance where I will ever try it and if I don't try it I'll never try it and
0: but you did you carried I did, on so you I carried
2: on and I did a couple of um, gong shows in like, Manchester and Preston I did a couple in Liverpool and, and then I just started getting into the, the open spot Arena, I suppose. That's, that's a stupid word, really. Arena. Know. But yeah, I started pays, doing. a picture. Yeah, a few open spot spots here and there. But I always found that um, when you're quite new on the circuit, and I know that this doesn't just apply to women. People say it does, but it doesn't. If anyone's new on the circuit and does an open night or an open spot or a gang gong show, everyone else seems to know each other. <laughs> so you turn up like that, <laughs> and then nobody talks Yeah, And then if you do your set, and you make them laugh mm. they'll come up afterwards and be like oh yeah I really like what you did it? So got, you know, you, um,
0: you, you're allowed in once and you. you're allowed
2: in and then I just want to say oh you didn't want to know me when I sat on my own playing Snake on my phone <laughs> did you go away <laughs> but I can't do that because I don't like being horrible to people
0: that comes across because uh, we've seen you a couple of times um, at one gig it makes us feel a bit like um, stalkers whereas in fact we just, I'm just lazy in my it's in my <laughs> town yeah at uh, the Laughing Cows, and um, we'll talk about it a bit, bit later. You're, you're the compare yeah. for that role. So, t- 2010, so now that we're in 2012, because this would be a historical document, people yes, will be referring of that to of course. Yeah, it would be like the. the... Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you get, did you get from there to the compare role via being a playwright? I
2: know, because I've done so much. And, uh, I know, mean, yeah, I'm sitting in the office where I work as an insurance clerk, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I entered Funny Women again in 2011, and I got to the semi-final in London, but didn't get because I went to Benidorm for my auntie's 50th and come back with what I thought might have been TB or malaria, I mm-hmm. it just turned out to be a three-week hangover, so <laughs> I couldn't make it. So then I entered again in 2012 saying, right, I'm only entering again. And there was a load of hoo-ha over funny women about paying £10 and how it devalues women in comedy. And I don't give a shit. I just want to get my face out there. I don't really mind because I'm not, I'm not energetic enough to go to gigs all over the country. So I just go to, like, now and again, dip in and out. So I thought, I'll do funny Anything women. Anything off the M62. Yeah, I, I even hate that. I went to one in Marple and, uh, I remember Hazel said to me oh this is the and so it's only in Marple it's by Manchester I was like okay it's in the fucking countryside it's, it's going to have sheep it's in Derbyshire, is it? oh well, I don't know, oh, okay. know anyway I was driving for ages I'm a nervous driver <laughs> but anyway so I entered Funny Women in 2012 and I went to myself right so we won't enter again after this year um, but I'll just enter and see how I get on and then uh, we got to the heat and it was in the King's Arms in Salford mm. and we got there and there was a load of us, and, and Lynn, because Lynn knew me because I'd done a gig for her before in Brighton, and she came up and went, Oh, we've got a problem, Kate. And I went, What? She went, I want to ask you a favour. And I went, Okay, and she went, The compare hasn't turned up, so um, we were wondering if you compare. And I was like, Well, you know, I've never compared. And she went, I'm sure you'll be fine. And I was like, Okay, but if, if I don't do well, sort of like, don't blame me. Anyway, I compared the night. just, and it was a bit of a shock to me system, and it probably was a bit stilted and scared, but as I got into it it was more fun and the acts were all really different and good. So I was able to sort of involve them in what I was saying in between each act and it was good. And fortunately Hazel O'Keefe who runs Laughing Cows was there to watch this heat and the next day I got a message from him on Facebook saying, We want to start a Liverpool night, will you be our compare? So it was lucky. I think I've been really lucky. it's just right place, right time. Enjoying it. I love. I love comparing. I do. I love comparing What's laughing cows. I can sort of just make it up as I go along when I'm comparing. That doesn't come.
0: Well, no, it does come across, but in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah Hang on. Don't get me wrong. There are bits out. that. No, 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 no. But what what comes across is that you, one, you're enjoying yourself. Two, two There's obviously bits of you know, your acting. Yeah, there. definitely. And three, there's some very fresh and funny stuff in there. So, do you see that? Do, what do you see the compare's role as being?
2: Compare's role, I think, is to keep the audience energy up keep them interested if someone is on and has a really good set then don't infringe upon the next act keep it flowing and if someone maybe doesn't get the audience laughing the way you want them to bring the audience back into it and sort of pick up the last act pick up the next act sort of like just encourage everybody to have a good time Um, and I'd like to think that's what I do I just want everyone to have a nice time But the good thing about comparing, I will say, is that it gives me, when when I'm making stuff up, when I'm comparing, I can remember it and then sort of work on it for future material to make it more of a a thing. So it gives you... It gives me sort of inspiration. So I want to
0: come back to that, because we're we're, we're really interested in the the nutty, boring, geeky, nerdy stuff about people's process. Because it is, from someone who's a fan of comedy and watches comedy, but is far too frightened to get up and do it, I'm always fascinated in what... People's processes are, but you've kind of like skillfully skipped over one thing, which is tell us a bit about being a, a published, pay, a what performed playwright.
2: Oh, I know that's weird. What it was years and years ago, I did you know, in um, I won't even say A level drama, I could but someone might check this and it was a B tech, and that's all mm-hmm. I'll say to you. But I got a distinction, and well done, um, well done. yeah,
0: and uh, as an ex drama teacher, mm, um, no interest in B tech.
2: <laughs> Nobody has It's just no, a, no. it was a bit. No, it was a bit of a bullshit two years, but we had a lot of laugh for me. We, we did do we did study theatre practices with this really um, mad and kooky drama teacher, which I never thought there was any other kinds, but I know there are now because I know other people who are drama teachers and and don't tell the whole class when they've got the period. So no, I never did any need I know, I but think anyway, I'd be offended with the
0: term <laughs> description kooky. Well, exactly. This
2: woman, I think she was trying too hard to be honest, but she did teach us some valuable bits of theatre. I never really got the method. I don't. I think you can pretend or you can't personally, and if you can study acting till you drop dead, and if if you can't pick it up, then you never will, in my opinion. But you know, don't quote me or nothing. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I don't get like some of the the, the bits of theatre that we had to study. I was like, well, I wouldn't go and see this. So uh, and I was sort. <laughs> I don't want to see Brecht. I don't want to be shouted at by an audience member or go to Theatre of Cruelty while someone picks their nose in front of me. I didn't want to do that but I did this course anyway and then after that I just I left college. I got into Edgehill University on clearance and I lasted there about four months because essentially I just hated all students <laughs> and, and it wasn't their fault. It just was from a different background to most of them. I think a lot of them went to Edgehill because it was leafy and it was nice and everybody lived on campus and if you're from Devon and you don't get into a good university you still don't want to go to some (coughs) shithole basically so that's what it's like and I lasted about four months and then I left and got a job in a carpet shop I have had millions of jobs by the way I've worked in Gregg's I've worked in Bon Marsh I've just I ran a pub for years with my ex-partner and we had a son so we were like I was twenty one and he was twenty six and we had a baby and ran a pub which was a recipe for disaster. <laughs> but I've always worked in pubs and I just think that if you want to be a comedian, work in a pub and just observe people and the madness that comes out of the mouth. So then um I didn't do nothing for years and then when my son was about five, I think I did a course in Lippa. It was like an improvisation and acting course, which was about six weeks. And we did we did, did listen to this, right? We did the crucible and most of them had done extra work. So, I don't know if anyone's aware of the, the, the film or the book or the play, The Crucible, but there's this one the one character you want to be is what's John's wife called? Eat,
0: no. the, the one who like yeah, yeah. gets burned as a witch. It. That's, it. The, the woman I've who gets no burned as a witch,
2: that's the part you want. You don't want to play um, the the maid Tituba, <laughs> <laughs> which is the part I got cast in. If anyone's seen me, I look nothing like what is supposed to look like, and I just could not really master the Creole accent. But um, after that, it didn't do not for years, and then I was just I was always like dipping and out the internet and looking for little things to do. And then the Liverpool Actors Studio, which at the time was run by Pauline Daniels, was doing this little theatre course, and it was just people adults into acting sort of thing. And I thought, well, goes down, and have a little look. So we went down, and we were just doing little pieces from various plays, and the, there was about I would say about 15 women and about three men. And it just occurred to me that there was not very many um, ensemble pieces or strong theatre pieces for women to work on just as, like, scene be- by scene. You're going
0: to do top girls so many times.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was, there was lots of Victoria Wood scripts, but she's just a genius. She's, like, my biggest influence, I would say. Um, but there seemed to be nothing else. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to try and write something. And I'd worked in a biscuit factory and I'd ran a pub right by Anchorage's course. And I just... Thought, I've never seen a play that was about Ladies Day or like going to tree. and there's all these like pastiche plays on in like the playhouse and the Royal Court about you know or there's a big
0: scene in theatre scene in Liverpool isn't yeah. there which is
2: and the audience knows what they like yeah. and you know it might not be what I'd go and see I'd go and see my play and I'd recommend anyone else goes to see my play <laughs> but those other plays are not really my cup of tea because they sort of in my opinion just they're too much of a cliche about there's too much swearing in them for the kick-off. Um, it's all the cliches about Robin and, and all that crap. And that's, I just wanted it to be about a group of girls who could be from anywhere, who go to the races. And it was, and it was just my experiences of the fact that, it, what I based it on was women's friendships and that, you know, you're not always best friends forever with the person you started school with. I've got women who were friends of mine who were, you know, two, two generations away, it's that kind of thing. And it just wanted it to be about that. But it turns out to be a comedy and it was really funny even if I will say it myself, it is hilarious um, but then it turns out that there's this other woman it called Amanda Whittington or something, who's also written a play called Ladies Day, which I didn't know and it's about a women who work in a fish cutting factory in Hull, maybe and they go to Ladies Day at York races so after my play had been on I got this big solicitor's letter saying oh yes, yeah, sir, we want to see your script because we think you maybe plagiarised and I was like Oh, my God, I've got nothing to give you if you want to sue me, so I really wouldn't bother, but it is a copy of my script. Any similarities are completely coincidental. The name Ladies' Day is a public name. It can't be, um, what's it called? Scandal copyrighted. I know, copyrighted. And she saw me play, and she never got back to me, fortunately. Oh,
0: right. Um, Probably probably because it's better.
2: Yeah, mine was better. Well better. As you would say. Yeah. Um, and then did a second run it did two runs in the after studio I was in it of course because you're not going to write a you wrote yourself and apart and yeah yeah mine was of all the parts apart because I gave myself I was like the, the slutty loser um, which is just like life imitating art yeah <laughs> <laughs> or art imitating life
0: so that's at the same time you got, you got when I
2: sort of started doing stand up around the same time so it sort of like I would say like got my mojo back a little bit I felt a bit more confident and I don't think I would ever have tried stand-up if I and I've had this little moment on stage what do you quite
0: quite confessional about your family um and I'm just intrigued as you said you're 21 38 <laughs> you've got you know you do your day-to-day you've got your family you've got your son you've got your partner you've got your job you've got the stand up you've got how does that how do they see this version of you
2: that sounds like loads that I do, but it, it's quite easy to compartmentalise everything because I do have my data where I slob out, and my family just, they laugh at some of the things I say, but sometimes I'll say something and they'll go, no, don't use any comedy, it's not funny, um, or, you know.
0: You test out stuff on them.
2: No, but if something happens in the house that's funny, I'll store it away <laughs> in my brain. Fortunately, my family don't really come and see me do stand up because right. they still think I'm in the middle of a midlife crisis <laughs> and just think it'll all blow over <laughs> at some point. My own son would never come and see me, and I don't blame him because if him. I was a 17 no, year old boy, no. I wouldn't go and see my mum um, do anything. No, but he is, is, is funny. I know, I know. No. He's funny as well, but he's really shy. He's one of these people who would never draw attention to himself. And my boyfriend, they're just underwhelmed by it, to be honest, and I think that's probably for the best. Because if the blue smoke up me out all the time, I'd just be an absolute nightmare <laughs> to live with, and I'm halfway there as it is, to be honest.
0: But uh, but, uh, skipping forward, because you're actually in this year's Funny Women final.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's exciting. Oh, no. I don't know. I've, I've looked at the list of people. If you go on the Funny Women website and see, uh, there's photographs of everyone in it and a little, like, 100-word copy that we all had to write about ourselves in the third person, but I didn't and they had to change it for me, because I don't have But everyone's got um, a photograph. We had to send a headshot. If anyone's ever seen my headshot, they'll know it's not a headshot. It's a snap of me in my old living room, and you can see the loop from my that you normally have to put on the hanger. Um, but, yeah, I got there, and um, possibly to make up the numbers. Oh, but I got that some, put yourself down. Oh, I do This is
0: going to go out after, so congratulations. We'll that then. Congratulations. Thanks. How does it feel?
2: It feels wonderful. <laughs> I'm also actually in the top, the final six of the Funny Women Writing Competition, where we had to submit um, like a pilot episode of something. So I had this little one-act play that I wrote um, just for two women to perform, where we were doing a drama class once, and I sort of developed it. And it's just about two women who meet in a maternity ward the day they both have the babies, and one's 40 and on her fourth kids, and one's 22 and on her first. And it's sort of like the difference in them. And it's, it's sort of, I really like it. So that's got to the final six of the rank competition as well. So you never know, because we're in two awards on one night. <laughs> on the 10th anniversary special. Oh, well,
0: this, this, we'll be able to reflect on this. Uh, as this goes out Yeah. and maybe uh, when obviously my prediction is you'll win and you'll never speak of this again and we'll never get a retweet out no, of and here. then so d and good Sammy
2: Davis Jr will come back from the grave and do a comedy roast it'll be <laughs> <laughs> really awesome
0: <laughs> what did I tell you just such a, uh, an interesting person just doing so much Um his little bonus bonus for you if you've, if you've come this far maybe listening to it and pausing it coming back to it uh, Kate is supporting another friend of the podcast this week, Arthur Smith. Now, are you a comedian? Have we seen you? Because we need to see you. Arthur has asked us, of the Podcast, to help find him his support for his next tour. And we're going to be talking about that in the next podcast. We don't want to be inundated, but we do want to see you. If you're out and about, we... We are northwest between Liverpool and Manchester based, but we do a little bit of traveling to London. I'm I'm in London coming up soon. Really interested in seeing you. Um, Have you listened to the kind of people that we listen to. Do you think we'd enjoy what you do? So a little bit more on our next podcast, but it's back to Chris Evans, who I found through um, my following of Richard Herring. Uh, who I think still is a fantastic producer of, of comedy. And his daily blog um, is is a brilliant picture of a, of a creative process as well. Um, and um, we, we have a number of his... I think we're going to review the Robin Ince video, the, the Robin Ince DVD, the old one, uh, very soon, just to so Clear the Decks. Uh, because we haven't talked about it for the new one which sounds very exciting. So here's the last part of the chat with Chris Evans of gofasterstrike.com. Why, why haven't you been to the website yet? At least go and have a look. Come on. One of the things that that whether it's apocryphal or not is that part of your model is you have the big releases that support the smaller releases
1: financially. Yeah, it's not planned, but that is what happens. Right. So you just throw everything out, and some things will sell well and some things won't sell well, but it all kind of evens out. Good. So I don't have to worry about what I think is going to sell. At least I don't at the moment. I don't have to worry about what I think is going to sell. I can just put out what's good. Well, I lost you a bit there,
0: technically. Oh. It's all right. You've gone a bit dark for a moment. That's
1: okay. Uh, oh no, you're on you're on this iPhone as well, aren't you? So you should be all right. What I'm saying is, you don't. I didn't. I don't have to do any any worrying about what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. If I put everything out that I think is good, sometimes I'm right and things will sell well, and sometimes I'm wrong and things won't sell well. But it's all good. I you mean, know, the quality is always there, uh, so that the ones that sell well do support the ones that don't sell well.
0: So, what do you think are the hidden gems? The ones well, I've got. Uh, at Tony Law I've got uh, a couple of Richard Herrings um, I've also I've also got what have I oh got I'm just scrolling down I've got the Robin Imps mm. um, what do you think are the hidden gems that uh, I, I should be going
1: for next from your list uh, well Will Hodgson he's pretty amazing he's, I don't know why his um, star hasn't risen yet but it's bound too soon uh, we've got two from from him I'm just trying to think my way through the cupboard. Have you mentioned John Shuttleworth? He's kind of well-known though, isn't he?
0: John, yeah, he is. He is. Um, I'm surprised uh, that with that someone who's kind of such an established BBC and, and Sky Arts position doesn't have um, like a wider distribution. Why do you think these artists, why do you think it's assumed these, these things won't sell?
1: I don't know. I think maybe, you know, I was saying that I don't have to worry about what sells and what doesn't sell because I'm such a small... It's just me in the cupboard, really, for, for day-to-day operation. I only get mates in when I'm filming, a thing, So there's not there's not the overheads to worry about. I don't have to pay wages every week. So that gives me the flexibility to just do things that are good. But most other places won't have that. They'll have to be doing things that, um, that they can guarantee are going to sell, like a few tens of thousands. Otherwise, there's no point in doing them. Right. So I think it's a luxury I've got that they don't have. Not saying you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to guess what's going to sell and what isn't going to sell, but I don't have to. I don't have to worry about any of that, which is which is which is lucky for me, I suppose. So what have you got coming up? Uh, The next thing we're filming is Francesca Martinez. She's in uh, in chapter in a couple of weeks. So we're just we're just working out the backdrop today and uh, getting the old cameramen together, getting assembling the team. So that's fun. She's she had um. Quite a big profile over the last couple
0: of weeks. Yeah, uh, we're talking po- just post the uh, Olympics and uh, Paralympics,
1: and had uh, was was pulled in quite a few times. Newsnight, another. She was on Newsnight. She was on BBC Three yesterday. It's very, it's very professional saying that we're in uh, what what the what the, uh, the date is. It's the twelfth uh, of September. So the eleventh of September, she was on uh, BBC
0: Three. But fundamentally, very funny and. Um, yeah. uh, an actress as well, Grange Hill. I,
1: know. <laughs> I saw a leaflet today and it said Grange Hill and she was on uh, Extras with Ricky Gervais. Ah, of course. And there was another yeah. thing that I forgot Those are the three TV programmes. But yeah, she's, she's funny. Seen. That's the, that's the, that's the yeah. beginning and the end of it. She's funny and that'll be great. Uh, Robin Ince is um, going to be doing some more little bits and bobs for his DVD. We're doing this. Great. He's doing like a Greatest Hits uh, DVD, which is which is the first one we've done where it'll play in a random order. So oh right, is, so just oh,
0: that's a nice idea
1: Which I've not seen that done uh, before So that's something that might, It might be great and it might be rubbish But So there'll be no arc, there's no arc in it, there's no story There's just a series of 10 or 15 minute bits That uh, can just roll
0: out in a different sorry? way
1: each time Is that
0: the plan, it'll just play in a different
1: Yeah, in a random order each time I mean you can select scenes as well, we'll have a scene selection sure. menu But the, uh, yeah, the idea is you press it so it comes out in a slightly different order each time that's Robbins, but that's still being filmed, so that, that'll be a while. And, of course, Vista 2, we're just, um, the cover is being worked on right now, tonight. It's going to arrive in email any second now, uh, which is exciting. So do you get most
0: of your sales through direct sale with, through the artists, or is it through the website? Or
1: Oh, uh, I'd say it's about, it's about half and half, but probably more through the website. Uh, it depends on who the, the artists are. I think Stu sells a lot on tour. Um this was more things. expensive. Was it? I bought I bought
0: fund from Richard Herring uh, and then saw Stuart Lee a couple about a month later. And I think his was more expensive.
1: I charged Stu more for his. <laughs> quite I think you're quite right, sir. I don't oh, uh, I don't know why that is. Um I oh, think I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'll tell you what it probably is, is they up the price depending on how much the theatre's charging them to sell it. Yeah. Some theatres charge ten percent, some charge like twenty-five percent.
0: And he seemed to, he's and and he seemed to have people to carry his boxes, whereas uh, oh, Richard, yeah. <laughs> He was quite stressed that night in Liverpool. <laughs>
1: Which who was Stu or rich? Uh,
0: Richard Herring. Oh no, you know, Stuart Lee. I think glided through. That the
1: wasn't night. the day you had that fight, was it? Uh, no, that was that was the
0: previous time he came up to Liverpool. This was the last tour he did, and um, he couldn't find the venue. Okay, I was, go- I was going to be interviewing him, but he turned up looking very. He was very late. He had obviously tweeted about it. He was very. And um, I stepped back from that because he got very flustered. Oh, <laughs> at, the, at
1: the time. Well, he doesn't. I've never seen him flustered. Oh, I suppose yeah, if you're uh, rushing to get to a show.
0: Yeah, I think I think it was very. There was nobody at the venue when he turned up.
1: Okay,
0: uh, on the day it was a It was still, it was still a great show. Uh, what is up anyway? that's that, that's not on your website, is that?
1: Yeah, out? no, that's out. That came out recently. Came out three or four weeks ago. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh is that on your website, Mister Fud? Two is theirs pre-order now.
0: Ah, uh, oh, yeah, I see. It's underneath Arnold Brown. Sorry, I was looking for pictures rather. Everything's
1: so. underneath Arnold Brown.
0: Everything. <laughs> and uh, again, I'm guessing you're a particular age. He stands out for me from just from a a little cameo in the young ones.
1: Oh, okay. Do you
0: remember that? Yeah, yeah He did. He just popped up, and that for me was like, well, who's he? He's a. <laughs> So, so he was a uh, he, he, but he's still touring, still working. Still he's still
1: he's still, he's doing mostly writing now. He was saying, uh, so he doesn't perform as much as he used to, but he's still got it.
0: I buy the discs. My, uh, you know, I'm a man in my forties, and my podcast partner, a man in his twenties, he buys the downloads, and so I know yeah. I definitely. Wouldn't, I I wouldn't buy the downloads because I'm that kind of completist. Yeah, <laughs> want to see all the bits, but it's interesting.
1: The downloads you get straight away, I suppose, and uh, I'm pretty quick at sending stuff out, there. so you don't have to wait a day or two to get the discs. Yeah, and there's all the extras are on the discs, so you don't get you just get the main show if you get the downloads. But then if you get the downloads, you can have a video file and an audio file, so you can just sling it straight on your iPod. So it's you know swings roundabouts.
0: Do you put the download? Do you put the downloads on any of the discs at all?
1: uh no for so having what you do, have an mp3 on the disc i could do that yeah I? yeah
0: because some of them do that don't they you go into a dvd and they give you like a blu-ray and a dvd and, a, yeah, sure, digi- and the download a, a digital dish.
1: yeah
0: never thought so of that can, so you can bung it on your ipad and take it with you oh there
1: you go okay you go. i'll you do can, that you can,
0: you can add that one for free i'll
1: do that for now on
0: <laughs> um right so give us a tip we are to fanboys yes uh, we've got a podcast we've got some ideas from one fanboy to a fanboy who's out there who's doing it give us some tips
1: tips of comedians to see yeah oh okay um who have i seen recently well tony law's the last guy i saw and of course we know he's excellent who was the person before that let me think matt price uh joe ellis james uh, I know the name. Alice James is amazing. He's from uh, Carmarthen, uh in, in, in Wales here. He's great. Uh, Lloyd Langford's amazing. He's also from this yeah. neck of the woods. God. Oh, um, uh, Benjamin Partridge.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw Benjamin at McHuntless.
1: Ah, I didn't go this
0: year. It's great though, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to go for the full I just bombed in and bombed out. We're going to go for the full weekend this time.
1: Is that close to you from Liverpool? Uh,
0: Liverpool. So it's an hour and three quarter. Yeah,
1: oh, that's okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Best festival there is, I think. I didn't go yeah. to the first year. I went there. I didn't go to Edinburgh. I thought that's, I, I can't do better than this.
0: Yeah, I've, it seemed a good feel. You're walking around. There's no posters. It was very stress free. can then go and have a go and have a pint with the uh, with the with the artists. Exactly. Right after.
1: Yeah, it was great. Oh, Pappy's Fun Club. Pappies,
0: oh, I mean. yeah, we, we've got tickets for Pappies. Are you doing anything with them? Get them on video. Uh, I'd
1: love to. Yeah, they've all they've signed their life away. I think.
0: Uh, it's their it's their time, isn't it? Um,
1: are you gone?
0: Are, are you quite pleased or disappointed if artists get too big for Go
1: Faster Street? Ah, uh, no, it's fine. As long as it's out there, that's that's the thing I want. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's the important thing is the staff lives. So that's 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 kind of the the, the thing that's pushing me along is is making sure that amazing staff doesn't die. The way that you know Stuart Lee's Nights Comedian might have died, you know that might yeah. have been it. Just might have been talked about as an amazing show, but it but no one would have been able to actually see it. And now that now it's a, now it'll last forever.
0: What a beautiful poetic <laughs> statement! I don't think we could have a better finish than that. Uh, Chris Evans, gofasterstrike.com. Really pleased to give us the time and those tips, and uh, we will uh, we will endeavour to keep you uh, in employment by buying your stuff.
1: Very kind. Thank you very much. Love to speak to you. Thank you.
0: There we go. Chris Evans, once again. Thank you. Um, go and buy something. Go and buy something now. Pause it. Pause this, this podcast and come back in a moment because we're going to have the last part of Kate Tracy's chat. Have you paused it? you carrying on? Brilliant. What? This is commitment. A very long drive whatever it is the our latest podcast comes out in about two weeks time um and then we're gonna have a christmas bumper podcast i say that just to embrace the cliche because we haven't even talked about it yet i've no idea what's going to be on it so here's our last part with with the chat with uh kate tracy um at the risk of of uh, using a phrase i've never used blow smoke up your water, or um <laughs> Everyone I've... I've, been, I've seen you compare three times and everyone has said, what a brilliant compare.
2: Oh, that's and everyone nice. has
0: really enjoyed you as a compare. And compare... Because compare is a tough gig. You know, sometimes you can see compares and you know they're just not, not good enough necessarily to, be, to do 20 minutes. Whereas, yeah. having not seen your act, we don't... You know, I've never felt that. Um, how... Would you, it's a bad question, but the good thing is I get to edit it myself. I can just drop in a better question over the top. I'm shit at this business now. Um, (laughs) How do you come on after someone who hasn't perhaps gone down so well?
2: I think my mother instinct kicks in. I think it really does. Like, um, I did a gig where one of the acts wasn't particularly good, and the audience sort of, they went horrible to it, but they weren't really... I think they sort of felt a bit sorry for her when she's on stage so I just come on stage and I think I just said I think that every single one of us in this audience would like to adopt the girl I, didn't, I wouldn't say her name um, no, no, because we, we only end. talk about the yeah, things we yeah, yeah. yeah. on this podcast um, well. but I didn't I saw of because she is good she's just the audience just didn't get it and she different has different. a really she's got a really cute style and I knew that but you can tell by looking at an audience whether they will get a comic that's coming on or whether they will what?
0: One of the questions I, I kind of don't want to ask
2: mm.
0: is uh, because, you know, I'm, I, you know, I was born in... I was forged in the early 80s, political correctness. Yeah. But it is this... I can't avoid it, which is the whole women in comedy question, because it's cliché and horrible, but here you are as part of Funny Women National Competition. You're part of Laughing Cows. Yeah. It is that um, not standing apart, because because funny's funny, which mm. I think is another name competition competition for women in comedy yeah. how does how does that where do you think why do you think comedy still needs this approach for women in comedy What does it
2: well not really it doesn't but there are certain women who would like to try comedy who would never try comedy if they had to go to an open mic night where there's a load of 19 year old lads who are all mates and all laugh about pedophiles they wouldn't want to go and be amongst that and try comedy for the first time because more often than not the feedback they got would be so negative they would never try it again and I'm not even saying that female comedians are more supportive because they're not, it's much of a muchness it's sort of, I couldn't put it down to one gender because there are some female comedians who, you're either nice or you're not nice and if you don't like something you don't like it and if you do you do but there are you know, there's always going to be someone who goes, Oh, well, you know, it's, it's bad for women that you're in this competition. And more often than not, it's, it's women who say it. But I just think that if whatever you're comfortable with, do. And if, if you want to just do a women only competition, enter it. If you want to run a women only competition, enter it. But just be prepared for the backlash because there's always going to be one. Um, but I know I'd never have tried comedy if it hadn't been for the Funny Women Heat because I didn't even know, as I say, open mics existed. But I do, see, I do see that, you know. Somebody said to me, you know, it's not fair that there's a women-only competition. And I went, well, how do you feel about student competitions then? Or, like, you know, the Mobos. It's pigeonhole in one section of society, again. But n- n- it's all right to be offended by women in comedy, but you can't be offended by the other two or, the, you know, whatever other sort of pigeonhole that you choose.
0: You're old enough. Because uh, I'm older than you, but not much to have a, have a view of comedy over the years. Do you think it, it is better now? Because I seem to be going to see a lot of women comedians, not because I'm, I've got vaguely stalkerish, sets of compulsive, uncomfortable tendencies. I've got through that. <laughs> but because there seems to be, if I look at a list, it's like, oh, I want to see her. I want to see her. There seems yeah. to be more. In Edinburgh, I, I went to see more I don't like using the word female women than I did men. But that was out of of our choice. Do you think it's different?
2: Yeah. I think because more women are now coming into comedy, more funnier women are getting to do the gigs that the funnier men were doing. So it's more of a mixture. There's women headlining now. There's women comparing now in nights that would have been predominantly male nights. And it's making audiences more aware that it. I mean, I've I've gone to see Comedy Night myself, where they've gone, Oh, wonder... Knowing, already knowing the established acts and going up come to see them, but then a woman's on and you're like, I wonder if she'll be funny and it's it's like a knee jerk reaction and I, and that's for me and I and I do comedy, but I think that audiences are aware that women are just as funny if not funnier than men. So they get more of an opportunity to be on bills and also there's a real difference in style from one female comic to the next. Whereas with a lot of male comics, I can't see, I can't really differentiate a lot of the time. It's this all this talking like that, down the microphone, and, and piss and sweat because they're so energetic, running around the stage, and they come off stage and I'm tired after watching them. And if you're funny, you're funny, you, you know. But I think that audiences are just more aware that it's not going to be a shit night if a woman's headline in some way.
0: I really like the Laughing Cows nights that I've seen, because and I, and I don't think it's to do with the gender I think it's to do, with, you know there's a huge range of comedians different styles as you mm. said, but I also think it's a really friendly night, it's not a bear pit, no and in the day I, I, did, I used to go to those gigs it was quite fun, was, but now I just want to sit down and laugh Yeah. and enjoy it and feel like I'm not going to be uh, you know, uh, um, target not from the comedians I don't mind that I love that but yeah. from the rest of the crowd yes. as well and that's why I would really recommend the Laughing Cow's Nights not because it's just women only yeah. I can sit there as a man looking at women I like that too <laughs> uh, but yeah they're, they're, they're great nights
2: I also uh, do gigs for Hot Water in Liverpool yeah. Who they've been running gigs for a long time now and it's two brothers and they started where you'd go to a night and they'd be three people in the audience they're and now they're stuff. doing amazing they're getting really good acts from all over the country mm. they're getting acts from Ireland as well and if you've ever gone to one of their nights you'll see I mean the compere controls the audience amazingly but he doesn't really have to control them that's probably the wrong way to use but also audiences now are different to audiences 10-15 years ago because they're coming out they haven't got much money so they're not going to pay to go and see a comedy night and then ruin it for everybody People haven't got the money to do that anymore. Whereas years ago, it was dead cheap to go to a comedy night and if you wanted to heckle the comedian, it didn't matter because it was like a pound pint, but it, nobody has <laughs> that no more. And people are a lot more discerning and, and I would say a lot more polite. It, I think the people who go to comedy nights and make it uncomfortable or difficult for anybody are not the people who would go back to a comedy night. They're the people who've never been and are probably on a stag do or a hen do or, you know... They don't know how to behave in that kind of environment. But the majority of people who go and see comedy now, I've noticed that they really they are really polite and they want to listen to you.
0: This, we know that our audience are nerds, people who like comedy. And so they want to hear some of that chewy stuff. They want to know how you get and what you do with your ideas and how you work through. And so, so give us a little insight to that. But also, I think you sh- should uh, relax with Listeners, tell them where you would like to be. What you want yeah. your career to do?
2: Okay. Um, well, firstly, getting material. I thought it would. It's weird. It's like free writing. If I sit down and try and write, more often than not, I'll have a seed or something, and then just try and develop that. But if I'm sat there and not, if, if I'm not in a quiet room, if I just sit there and try and make something up, it, it's hard. But most of the things I write come from something or that's been funny or something somebody said that's made me laugh, and then I've taken it from there. It's like when, when, a writer, when a play, I write I, a play, because you can't start from the beginning. If you start from the most interesting point and then work backwards and then work forwards, that that seems more natural to me, because then you've got a reason to be at that interesting point, and that's probably the way I am with comedy when I write. I sort of start at the bit that made me laugh, and then go backwards and forwards from that, and that way it's easier to develop, and that way you can go off on tangents. When you get bored of that joke, you can still take that seed and go in a different direction with it. That's our right, I would say. And I would say where I want to be is doing it as a living, not not having to come to work in an office five days a week, and uh, being able to choose what I do, I think that's probably, to be honest, with very little work or having to leave the house. Um... <laughs> And in and loads of money. But no, just being creative and.
0: But are you prepared for that lifestyle that might. Which is, obviously, there's the, the secondary lifestyle of, of fame, fortune, and riches. But the, that middle lifestyle of having to be the travelling.
2: See, that's the bit that I hate. I hate travelling. I hate driving. I hate driving for miles to go to some shithole and, you know, wherever to do 10 minutes for an audience who may or may not like me. And just cover my petrol money. I just don't know if I've got the actual willpower and the, the commitment enough <laughs> to be able to do that. Which makes me think that to to be able to write and just see how far I go with that might be the way forward for me. But I, I don't know. I'd never. I keep saying I would say maybe once every four or five months they write. I'm not I'm not gonna do any gigs anymore. I'm not packing comedy. And then I can't. And then I'll get offered a gig or I'll see a gig that I want to do and try and get it. And then it's
0: like a vicious circle it's like being an alcoholic well it's, this is going to sound corny cliche we genuinely hope you don't give up on that because you're a fantastic com- comedian and compere aw so really enjoyed that uh, seeing you work and, and really enjoyed uh, good luck for the competition really enjoy seeing where you're going with that and um, and uh, I'll come and see you next play
2: thank you it's going to be called Kiss and Tell it may yeah. be on in St. Helens early next year I in the really Theatre like Royal aren't you you miss out I'm not no it's alright when the DVD comes out you can I'm, buy it. <laughs> you, okay. I'm not even going to give you a free DVD you've <laughs> to buy it
0: thank you Kate um, tell people. us how you, people can get in contact with you follow you stalk you um, uh, I not, am not like your on your address or anything but <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. my blood type is uh, no I'm on Twitter at Kate Tracy one Tracy's Spot with an EY So I'll just spell it K-A-T-E-T-R-A-C-E-Y-1 and you can follow me on Twitter and listen to me rant about the Great British Bake (laughs) Off or Don't Tell The Bride because that is mainly what I do on Twitter sometimes I do hair updates which is really interesting you might want to follow that today I'm um, channeling Princess Anne I feel Um, but yeah stay in touch and I'll I'll keep you posted on how that goes
0: okay Tracy thank you very much thanks for your time really enjoyed chatting to
2: you thank you Gav was that okay?
0: Wasn't that more than than okay? If you know someone who wants to have a go at comedy, wants to have a go at writing, then tell them about this podcast because I think there's loads in there. It's not about us talking. It's not about me wittering and I do witter too much. It's just about these people out there making this happen. Um, Do recommend this podcast if you think it's... to somebody who you think you'll enjoy it, who is in your friend or your family who who wants to know more about comedy. We were told that this is a good way of getting people interested in slightly more than the mainstream. So we'll tell them about it. Now, you've got all this way. I'll tell you what. i tell you what. If you listen to this podcast, you might, like me, have a bit of a thing for Richard Herring. Not that kind of thing. No, not that kind of thing. But, you know, interested in, you know, find his comedy entertaining, enjoy his writing, uh, listen to his podcasts. Uh, So if you do, um, the first person who gets right to the end here, who emails me at funnylookingpod at gmail dot com and asks for it, I will send a signed flyer from this year's Edinburgh show. Um, Talking Cock, the second coming, that I got because we were one of the podcasts, uh, one of the sponsors of of his uh, program. I got an extra signed flyer with that. Thank you very much, Richard. I'm going to give it to you the first person who emails or just asks for it i'll give it up i'll send it to you thanks for listening do subscribe do come back do stay in touch simon munnery simon munnery and hayley ellis coming up in the next podcast Oof.